Hello again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by MagicOfAerie.com. In our last episode, our heroes finally reached Uth, the last human village. Their entrance to the village was slowed when they saw that three separate men with three separate troll bridges wanted to charge for safe passage. Our heroes were able to reach Uth for free thanks to an old man with a raft, but their entrance was hindered once again by a guard. Uncle Shameless's resemblance to a friend of the aldermen's, Uth's only remaining elected official after a recent incident at a chili cook-off, allowed our heroes to finally enter, where they were able to seek out the local oracle. And now, the next fantastic episode of The Magic of Airy. The Magic of Airy, the podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. Based on the novel, The Magic of Airy. By Daniel J. Hogan. To learn more about the novel, please visit magicaberry.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Harry is spelled E Y R I. Episode number 19 Neo Geo. Back in the Hawk King's castle, Ox Venator, Fiacra sat perched on his throne deep in the shadows. The burning flames from his eyes cast a crimson halo around his face, as he did his least favorite thing of all, waiting. The Hawk King had expected to hear from the Raven Twins by now, but no news had reached him yet. Fiacra did not like sending lackeys in his place, but because of what the boy was prophesied to do, he had decided to play it safe. For now. Unala sat at a nearby table and was going through the latest batch of purchase orders from Kingdom Consignment with extreme prejudice. New brooms for the cleaning staff? Unala does not think so. No, he does not. As his old hands reached for another purchase order, Unala made a mental note to find out who had ordered the brooms and to force them to lick the floors clean. This was yet another one of his many administration jobs, going through piles of purchase orders to find out how employees of the kingdom had been spending government funds. Unala would then punish those he felt misused the kingdom's treasure which was just about everyone. Unala was well aware that it would make more sense to have everyone get approval before buying anything. But that was not as much fun. The Wingmaster took great joy in personally taking away items and supplies from the Kingdom's employees after they had already been purchased and used. Just yesterday, he had taken a brand new abacus away from one of the money counters in Kingdom Finance, much to his own amusement. Unala scanned the next purchase order and wondered why this employee needed so many pieces of metal and other building supplies. He was about to order a pair of guards to fetch the employee in question when he realized it was his own purchase order. Unala quietly stamped it with his approved stamp, which was spelled E-P-R-O-O-V-E-D. Unala knew that the stamp was misspelled, but he did not see the point in wasting funds on a correct one. After all, he knew what it meant, and that was all that mattered. Unala placed his purchase order in the nearly empty, approved pile before reaching for the next sheet. Who is this? Unala squinted at the hasty writing. This Kramit person. And why does he need so many yards of black cloth and thread? Unala shook his head and was about to reach for his other stamp, spelled T-H-I-S-E-P-R-O-O-V-E-D, when his pile of parchment was knocked over by a ghostly wind blowing through the rotunda. 
An eerie cloud of mist flew down from the hole in the throne room's rotunda and hovered for a moment. Unala sighed as he chased after his runaway purchase orders. The mist disappeared, and Delu fell hard to the floor, groaning in pain. Fiak Ra sat up in his throne and stared down at the lone raven spy and had a feeling he was going to be very angry after Delu finished speaking. A pair of guards walked over to Delu and held him up. Speak! The bruised and battered raven spy did his best to comply. We were... Delu started, still unaccustomed to not having Uled around to finish his thoughts. After several moments of silence, Unala spoke up. You were what? Get on with it! We were... Lost? Delu shook his head weakly. Sick? Delu shook his head. Tricked? Followed? Captured? Delu flailed his sickly head back and forth. Will you just say it already? Unala commands you, bellowed the irritable wingmaster. From his dark throne, Fiakra cleared his throat. <clears throat> As does your king. <laughs> Betrayed. Delu finally wheezed, the word oozing from his beak. Thank you. Now, was that so difficult? Where is the boy? The boy is... Captured? The boy is... Yes, yes, that's it. You can do it. The boy is a go-go? Unala does not understand. The boy is His breaking point finally reached. Unala stomped across the floor. In the old days, he would have flown and slapped Delu across the face. Get on with it! Gone. The boy is gone. Good! Unala said with a smile. Seconds later, the meaning of Delu's words hit the wingmaster. Unala grabbed Delu and shook him. What do you mean he's gone? Temporarily cured of his speech impediment, Delu informed Unala and Fiakra of the events in the Forbidden Forest. Fiakra's instincts had proven correct. He was very upset after Delu finished speaking. The Hawk King's claws dug into the armrest of his shadowy throne. <laughs> Unala cannot believe the treachery of those hunters. Unala is greatly shocked. Yes, he most certainly is. The wingmaster barked as he headed back to the desk near the base of Fiakra's throne, while the guards took Delu to have his wounds treated. Unala is going to file a formal hunter complaint. The servants in the throne room gasped in unison. The normally quiet royal guards gasped in unison as well, only silently. Unala searched through his desk for a formal hunter complaint form, stroke TB, treachery betrayal, and promptly filled it out. Those hunters will rue the day they broke their contract. Yes, they will rue it indeed. Unala shall see to that. As Unala rained terror down upon the piece of parchment with violently dotted eyes and angrily crossed T's, Fiakra flew down to the throne room floor and began pacing impatiently. Now that they've escaped, 
Where would they go? Unala does not know. Unala is not a human and does not know the types of things humans like to do. Unala has heard that the South is lovely this time of the season. Perhaps send in a mystic. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through the iTunes Music Store. A pair of royal guards returned with the vulture that had visited Unala earlier. A short and squatty mystic entered the throne room and bowed respectfully in front of the Hawk King. Fiacra towered over the kneeling vulture, blanketing the mystic with the shadows of his wings. The boy has escaped Ox Venator and Draga. Where would he have gone? The mystic stood up, removed a small book from the folds of his robes, and began flipping through the pages. Well, if we followed the same basic pattern of all heroes, and up to this point he has, coming to a strange land, getting captured, escaping, his next move would be to seek guidance of a supernatural nature. The pudgy vulture looked up from the book. I tell you, Highness, none of these hero types can do anything on their own. They always need their hands held and have to be told what to do. Fiacra tapped the butt of the Spear of Zoo against the floor as he thought. He knew there were few places a human could seek supernatural guidance. His armies had destroyed all of the major temples of Za, and the mystics of Za, the Blue Herons, had been missing for hundreds of years. Tell me, mystic, where would a human seek such guidance? The mystic thumbed through his book again. Hmm, it is usually some eccentric old hermit, a fallen from grace holy person, or an oracle with bizarre personality traits. Ugh. Uh, the Hawkins said in unison, almost. Unala let Fiacra speak first in order to sound like he knew what the Hawk King was thinking. Unala shall muster the troops, honorable Hawk King. Unala shall go to Uth and smite these upstarts. No, I do not want a repeat of what happened in the Forbidden Forest. I will take an attack party to Uth, the last human village, and I will face the boy. But Lord, what of this the prophecy business? Let me worry about that. Hawk King held up the Spear of Zoo and let loose a mighty cry. The spear's head burst into brilliant flame, filling the rotunda with a fiery glow. Fiacra spread his massive wings and flew through the opening in the rotunda. His royal guard followed obediently. The Hawk King flew up towards the wicked mouth of the giant statue of Zoo, atop Hawk's Venator. The statue stood with its colossal stone wings spread as its fiery mane burned in the sky. Fiacra hovered in front of the mouth. The statue's jagged beak was agape with a dark hole at the back of its throat. 
Fiacra pointed the Spear of Zoo toward the mouth of Zoo and chanted a series of ancient, powerful words. At the back of the statue's throat, fiery lights began to glow. Terrible screeching sounds grew louder and louder, filling the sky with their horrible notes, sounding like a thousand birds screaming in anger all at once. Steve had been right about the oracle. The party had walked through the mud-filled streets of Uth, the last human village, to find the oracle. The thin mist hung in the air like an old, ratty drape, and the ground squished beneath their steps. Steve kept telling himself he had been right while he listened to the oracle ramble on, but at least they had finally found him. Steve and the others had made the mistake of just looking for a sign that said, The Oracle, and due to a sign-maker's poor design, they had ended up at the blacksmith shop of a man named Theo Rackle. Against their better judgment, the party went into one of Uff's pubs, with Uncle Shameless leading the way. Halfway through a story about a talking lunchbox that granted wishes, Uncle Shameless was reminded by Steve why they had come there in the first place. We're looking for the Oracle. The blacksmith? He's down by the stables, answered a man who was trying to hide the fact he was balding with a big, silly hat. Nah, we've seen him. Uncle Shameless leaned over and put an arm around the man with the big, silly hat and moved in so he could whisper in the man's ear. Unfortunately, Uncle Shameless's whispering was more like a yell. The man tried to pull away, but Uncle Shameless's extraordinary strength kept him in place. We're looking for the guy that tells the future. <sighs> you mean the weather teller? No! Wait... Uncle Shameless looked at Zeroth for an indication if that was correct or not. Zeroth shook his head. No! Uh, you know the guy who reads your hands? Uh... Has the crystal ball? The man with the big silly hat thought for a moment as he reached under the hat to scratch his balding head. Steve pulled Uncle Seamus toward him and whispered in his ear. And has a bizarre personality trait? Oh, you mean Geo. You are listening to the Magic of Every Podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan. Copies of the original novel can be purchased through magicofairy.com and amazon.com. You can also download a PDF of the entire novel for only $3.75. Visit magicofairy.com for more details. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. Geo lived on the outskirts of the village, a distance that felt to Steve like a hundred miles. Actually, it was only around two yards away from the nearest village shack, but to Steve it could have been on the other side of Aerie. The boy was getting tired of wearing chain mail and walking in mud. They came to Geo's shack, and he let them inside. The Oracle of Uth had the group sit around a very small table in a very small room. Steve hated every second of it. However, he hated this Oracle, Geo, much more. Gio was a tall, husky man with a small, round face. His hair was cropped short, yet he had a wild, unmanageable beard that looked like it was trying to escape from his face. 
You are the boy? I have a name. That is the blue heron amulet? Steve nodded reluctantly, remembering how much trouble the amulet had gotten him into earlier. If you were chosen to wear the amulet, then you are the boy? Isn't it your job to tell me that? You were chosen, therefore you are the boy? Why are you asking me questions? You're the oracle. Give me answers or whatever it is you do. And I have a name, you know. Stop with all this the boy stuff. You are the one who wears the amulet? Haven't you been listening to me? We've been over that a dozen times. Era tried to calm Steve down. Relax. He is an oracle, you know. They are not always that clear. Well, he's not a very good one if he can't remember who I am from one minute to the next. All he does is keep asking me... questions. Steve's words trailed off as he finally realized why Gio was being so confusing. Let me guess. Everything you say sounds like a question. Is that it? Gio smiled and nodded. Yes? Steve let out a loud groan. This whole place is one bad joke. Your next step is to go to the port town of Tall? The duck town, said Zeroth. Uncle Shameless shuddered and whispered, Not more ducks. Uh, what's wrong with ducks? <sighs> it's a long story. Geo continued, There you must find a way to get to Dragon's Well? A duck town? Dragon's Well? You must find the Sword of Zah? Only with the Sword of Zah can you defeat Fiacra? Steve was about to ask what a dragon's well was when he heard the thunder of flapping wings and hundreds of humans scream. Fiacra normally left Uth, the last human village, alone since the humans there posed little threat. While their numbers were fewer, there were other human settlements scattered across the rest of Eri, which made Uth the last human village somewhat of a misnomer. The last human village title had actually been added by the Uth Chamber of Commerce Tourism Division as a marketing ploy to bring in more tourists. Being located in the middle of a swamp deep within the Forbidden Forest had been very bad for the Uth tourism industry. Then the Three Bridges scam was thought up as a way to get even more money from tourists and travelers. The marketing idea worked, and their tourism industry went up from nothing to nothing and a half. Needless to say, neither the Uth Chamber of Commerce nor the Alderman, us lone elected official, were too happy when Fiacra showed up with a small army of Hawken and Swanton troops. This isn't gonna be good for business, lamented the Alderman. He was a portly, bearded man and drank from a large mug of wine as he watched the war parties of Flying Hawken troops circle overhead. This was the exact reason he had only run for alderman, as all of this invasion and disaster business was normally left to the chieftain, thus leaving the alderman free to drink and stink. However, since he was now the village leader by default, after a recent ill-fated chili cook-off, the responsibility of disaster control fell into the alderman's rather incapable hands. But a quick-thinking member of the Uth Chamber of Commerce, who had been out drinking with the Alderman, saw the invasion as a unique opportunity. But don't you see the upside? The Chamber of Commerce woman said, pointing to the Hawk King in the sky above. We can say we were personally visited by the Hawk King. 
It'll be great for tourism. I don't want to have to redo all the village signs. We just had them repainted. Another member of the Oth Chamber of Commerce, a small, weaselly-looking man, jumped into the conversation. We could just add a footnote to the signs, you know, with the little numbers? The alderman nodded, his ratty hair flopping to and fro. I like where this is going. We put a little one after Oth, last human village, on the old signs. And under it, we put a smaller sign that says, One, colon. Personally attacked by the Hawk King, Fyakra the Wicked, and several dozen Hawkin warriors. The alderman clapped the man on the shoulder. By Donald's beard, now that's an idea. Rally up the rest of the chamber. We'll have a meeting later tonight at Narb's Pub to go over this footnote business. Uh, I think Narb's Pub was just burned down. Dear me, that is a shame, the alderman said as he looked around for a building that wasn't on fire. <sighs> I guess we'll have to slum it up a bit and go to Sheo's. A villager ran up to the alderman. Sir, sir, it's horrible. Yes, I know. We have to go to Sheo's for our meeting. It is a shame about Narbs, though. They had these really great spicy potatoes. Sir? The villager gasped, dumbstruck by the alderman's response. She pointed to the attacking Hawken, raining arrows down upon the village. Isn't there something you can do? Yellowman thought for several moments as flaming arrows whizzed past his head and villagers screamed all around him. Yes, I suppose there is. Yelderman finally answered as he waddled over to a crowd of villagers lugging buckets of water towards an Uth schoolhouse. Stop! The alderman commanded, holding his mug of wine high in the air. He pointed to a nearby pub that was covered with flaming arrows. Save Prestos! The alderman commanded, earning many confused looks from his constituents. He kept pointing to the burning pub and totally ignored the flame-engulfed schoolhouse. It'll be a quiet night in Duraga before I go to Sheo's. This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Eri. Make sure to join us again next time. What will the Hawk King do to Uth? Will Steve and his friends be captured? Will the Alderman get to booze it up at a pub he actually likes? Find out in the next exciting episode of The Magic of Eri. Copyright day of this episode was January 23rd, 2010. Help support this free podcast by using the PayPal donate button on the website. The Magic of Airy, the podcast, written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember... Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. And as always, thanks for listening.